Hello everyone, welcome to In Conversation with Lisa Burke. With me today is Vincent Wellens, a lawyer at both the Luxembourg and Brussels Bar, a partner in intellectual property and technology law. Today we're going to discuss the topic of accidental Americans and how that sits in the greater question of data privacy between and in Europe and the US. Vincent, welcome. Thank you for the invite, Lisa. It's lovely to have you here and a very hot topic now, data privacy. You've been involved with the Accidental American Associations in Belgium, France and Luxembourg. Tell us, what is an accidental American? It's a person that has been accidentally born in the US and for that reason has also US nationality because the parents were at that time on American grounds and if the person is born there, the person will be American. Those uh, accidental Americans also have another nationality. They don't have any real connection with the US anymore. But formally speaking, they have the US nationality. And this leads to some problems because in 2010, President Obama introduced FATCA, the US Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act. So tell us a bit more about the issues that these accidental Americans are now facing. Yeah, so FATCA was a game changer because a lot of these accidental Americans, they live abroad. They have, for example, the French nationality or Belgian nationality. Normally, they don't even ask a US passport because they don't feel any particular connection with the US. It's just a place that is on their identity card. FATCA is a regulation that was issued by the US in order to track US citizens abroad and to have more information about their bank accounts, all, of course, in the context of fighting tax evasion. The system is quite ingenious because the US forced banks to disclose data about the bank accounts of every person that has a US nationality. So from the moment that you open a bank account in Belgium, France, or wherever in, in the EU, and you indicate that you're born on American uh, territory, those banks will apply to you the whole FATCA regulation. But they don't always have a social security number. That's a problem, because as I said, they don't feel connected to, to the US, so they never have lived there, but they don't have a social security number. So for them, it's the, it's the beginning of a, of a Kafkaesque uh, journey, because they are subject to the FATCA legislation, well, the banks who open their accounts for them. And in that context, they also have to provide a social security number. So they have to really register up as a real American. That is quite problematic for them because the banks, they are under a huge pressure to be compliant with FATCA because the US authorities, they threaten to have a withholding tax of 30% of all the money that goes to the bank from US source. So that can have a huge impact and the banks lately, they even prefer just to terminate the account of, uh, of those people. And many of those people have to continue their lives now without a bank account, which is quite impossible. I impossible, would have yeah. But thinking about those people who have this accidental citizenship in the US, I mean, the US, along with Eritrea, are the only two countries in the world, in fact, that deal with the taxation on citizenship, I believe. Why don't they give it up? Why don't they give up that nationality? There is also a financial side on that. Nearly at the same time that FATCA was introduced, the prices to renounce US nationality, they went up. And now it costs 2,300 euro. And many people also do it. They have the money. But uh, there is a false uh, perception about uh, accidental Americans that they are all rich people. That is simply not true. It can be people who are working in a kitchen of a restaurant 
And just because their parents were once in the States and they were born there, they're accidental American. But for them, 2,300 euro, it's a lot of money. And the French Association of Accidental Americans, they also have launched an action very recently in the US to get the free waiver or renunciation of uh, US nationality. So the banks are squeezed in the middle exactly, yeah. through these laws and uh, the collateral damage is landing on the shoulders of these accidental Americans. So when the banks are stopping people getting bank accounts or stopping people getting their mortgages, what can these accidental Americans do? Yeah, some launch an action also against the bank. I think very recently there have been cases in Germany and the Netherlands. And in the Dutch case, the bank won, actually. The judge said, yeah, the bank has to comply with FATCA. There is also no obligation for a bank to take you as a customer. Very recently, the, the Belgian accidental American that we are representing, his bank just terminated his contract. And in the contract terms, there is a clause that the bank can terminate the contract for whatever reason with a two-month notice, and that's it. So there is no real minimum banking service for those people. There's another aspect to this entire conversation, which is about data and personal data, because as I understand it, the protection of personal data in the EU is quite different to that in the US. So not only have we got this tragedy happening for the accidental Americans who are caught up in this and can't renounce or relinquish that American citizenship, but their data is also being sent to America and they might not want that. And that system is much more open than the EU. Yeah, absolutely. So that is a very big uh, topic. So on the one hand, you have the rejection by some banks. And then under FATCA, disclosure of banking data is, is quite a bit particular. In the sense, the data does not go directly to the US authorities. It goes first from the local bank to the local tax authority. And from the local tax authority, it goes to, to the US authorities. And that transfer between the local authority and the US authority is, of course, governed by what we call an intergovernmental agreement who says that there must be some kind of cooperation between tax authorities, etc. So that is one reality. Now, you also have, you probably know it, the famous GDPR. <laughs> and the GDPR also has provisions on the transfer of data outside of the EU. The main principle is that data transfers outside of the EU to countries which have not an adequate level of uh, data protection, they are forbidden, unless you can rely on some exceptions. Now, in the summer of last year, the Court of Justice of the European Union here at Kirchberg confirmed that the US has not an adequate level of protection and has also rendered a decision on what we call the privacy shield. Privacy shield is a mechanism whereby organizations can self-certify that they comply with data protection principles. That's more for organizations. But for the transfer to public authorities abroad, you need another exception. And that exception would be the public interest. But the public interest of the EU or the EU member state. So that means that in this whole FATCA data transfer, there must be an interest for Luxembourg, Belgium or the EU to have that set up. What is a big problem now? The data flow goes in one direction, only from Belgian, Luxembourg tax authorities towards the US authorities. And the Belgian and the Luxembourg tax authorities, they don't get anything into return. Even though there was meant to be some reciprocity here. Exactly. So in the intergovernment agreement, the principle of reciprocity was built in. And the US basically said, we promise that we will assure that. 
But after all these years, that didn't happen. It's actually a concern. So already in France, in the, in the French parliament, voices were raised that you have to stop this, this FATCA, until there is real reciprocity. And that is very important. And if there is no real reciprocity, from a data protection point of view, you cannot rely on the exception of public interest. And I don't see any other legal ground on which you can justify the transfer. So that will be an interesting case. We have uh, addressed a request to the Belgian and the Luxembourg tax authorities by explaining that situation. So you have a problem. Yeah, you're, the, you're actually the gatekeeper of the data that goes for those people from Luxembourg, Belgium to the US, you can stop it. There is no legal ground. Please stop it. We can, of course, very well imagine that they will say, but we don't have that possibility to, to stop it because we are bound by these famous international agreements. And then, of course, we will take it up to the, to the courts who will have to decide. And eventually, I think there is no other option that the Court of Justice of the European Union will have to say whether the GDPR prevails the intergovernmental agreements that have been concluded in the context of FATCA. So that's rounding up the future with a hopeful end for any accidental Americans. But meanwhile, they just have to tread water and carry on life in some instances without a bank account or a mortgage or a loan. Yeah. Which is a very difficult situation to be in. But just in the greater context of data, our data, and for those of us who may not know as much as you, what would be your advice to citizens of Europe in order to safeguard our data? That's a good question. It's also a very tricky one, because of course we're talking about data that is exported to the US. The US is considered not to be a safe country from a data protection perspective, because some secret services can have access to some data under circumstances. I would say that also within the European Union, we also have secret services and probably they also can gain access to, to some of our data. And I think uh, that's uh, also important for you because you come from the UK. That was also a very huge discussion, a hypocritic one, because once the UK would leave the EU, it would be considered as potentially a country where there would be no adequate uh, data protection. Whereas when it was in the EU, it was automatically considered to be a safe country. So there you see there are different positions. But what is true nowadays, the, the topic of the transfer of data from the EU to the US is a, is a very big topic. And that goes way beyond uh, the topic of the accidental Americans. Because we had, as I addressed earlier on, that decision in the summer of, of this year, the Schrems 2 decision, it's an... Austrian student, now he's not a student anymore, but he was a law student, but now he made his job out of this. But it was that famous Austrian student that had a crusade against Facebook about the transfer of data to the US and went up via the Irish courts two times up to the Court of Justice of the European Union and has won two times by blocking actually the, the data transfers from the EU to the US. Basically, the Court of Justice says that for organization the safest thing to do is that uh, either you uh, put in place a contract with some supplementary measures, for example, that you uh, anonymize data that are going to the US or you have extra encryption measures, etc. 
But a normal person might yeah, not but a normal to person, do this yeah. or know how to even. Yeah, yeah. Even for larger organizations, it's it's very difficult to set up. Even last week, there was a concrete uh, example of this where the Luxembourg Data Protection Authority decommissioned a service, a newsletter service. So the, the Data Protection Authority also has its own newsletter. And it found out that the service provider relied also on a hosting platform that was hosted in the US. So the Data Protection Authority said, yeah, we don't want to have that anymore. But for normal people <laughs> like you and I, who uh, consume all the time services, and, and also if you're on social media, if you Facebook, etc., your data automatically end up in the US. I still remember that the European Commission, during the pleadings in one of the Schrems cases, had as a practical advice, don't use the service anymore. <laughs> Most social media platforms are from the US that I can think of. I can't think of any that have grown from Europe. Are there any? Just thinking out loud. Uh, yeah, I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> All of the social media platforms I can think of have either sprung up in uh, Asian countries or in American countries. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so therein we have an issue when it comes to our data. Um, and you also mentioned servers and where we hold our information. That's another problem. Let's think about Amazon or Apple, for instance, or these cloud providers. So what do we do when we hold our data somewhere else? Well, with most cloud providers, but of course, again, not on our individual level, if you use Hotmail and so, there you're not sure where your data is. For that service, you cannot decide, I want to have it on an Irish server. But for uh, corporates who want to host platforms or data somewhere in the cloud, they can decide, for example, with Amazon, I want to have it in the Irish region or in the German region. Now, the big discussion around that is that normally the, the data are within Europe, but those companies, Amazon, of course, depend on a bigger U.S. mother company. And there you have some uh, particular U.S. legislation, which is called the Cloud Act, which allows U.S. authorities to gain data that are under control of U.S. service providers like Amazon, like Microsoft. So if it's under their control then they can order to Amazon and Microsoft give that data that is overseas, even when it's hosted on, a, on an Irish or a German server. So it all gets quite complicated. And even if EU countries have stronger legislation in place compared to other continents, such as the US, we are still at the mercy of their laws and their situation because it's always going to the the lowest common denominator in the legal system, it seems like. So with that in mind, as citizens of the EU, where we have the privilege to have these stronger laws, even though they cannot safeguard us, what should we do in terms of trying to protect ourselves as much as possible? I think in, on a more general level, it's also to have a better data hygiene it's like with uh, <laughs> not drinking too much alcohol, not consuming too, too much sugar. I think we should also be aware on how we deal with data. It's, it's all over the place and to have a bit, bit more awareness around that. Also to know the platforms that you are on, because sometimes like with Facebook or, or LinkedIn, you can put some parameters that are more privacy protective but you must install them, so you must know know about them. Just play devil's advocate a little bit. What is the issue with us posting information to a greater audience? 
the issue with it with that can be that you also reveal uh, your identity for example if you put your facebook account in public everybody can actually see you get some extra data about you know what are your habits and then for example you have uh, cyber criminals who can then have a very targeted attacks on on your account or it's not not so much on your account but they can address very specific messages to you for example if they know that you were in Egypt and then maybe they sent a message on behalf of a travel company so did you have a nice trip in Egypt and so you know the more they know about you the more they can actually target some messages at you and in order to fish your account for example to present themselves as one as a service provider that uh, that you are uh, used to and uh, the way in which to catch that is sometimes looking at the email address exactly Exactly, but sometimes you still uh, see that uh, people are uh, don't do not pay attention. Absolutely, so, I'm guilty of that too because I'm flicking through a, a number of emails per day, as most people are. Exactly, and we don't have the time to just check everybody's email addresses. Yeah, yeah, and of course, if you know you get an email from a bank that you're not with, you know that it's a phishing attempt. But imagine that they got it right and that they are sending an email with the logo of your bank that you're actually with, the chances are maybe a little bit lower. But if that matches, there is a higher chance that the person actually will reply to it. Well, Vincent, you've given us so much to think about. And I'm going away thinking about my my data hygiene. So another thing to add to my list of New Year's resolutions <laughs> to think about going through my privacy settings on various things and being very careful about what I share with the public. So thank you so much, Vincent. Thank you, Lisa. We will keep abreast of the situation with the accidental Americans as it goes through the various court systems and perhaps the European Court of Justice as well. Thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you. 